Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples weekly sermon podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message from Pastor Aaron Lapp. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, for this morning, for the time that we have, Lord, uh, for the opportunity to be able to gather here. Uh, Lord, we're here because we want to hear from you today. So I pray that as, Lord, as I speak, they hear your voice today, Lord. These words that I've put together, Lord, I pray that you would take them and you would create a masterpiece out of this, Lord. We thank you so much, and in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today is December 26th. Day after Christmas. And it seems like all of the Christmas energy and all the excitement starts building up to Christmas around Thanksgiving or so. You know, I actually know some people that start a hair earlier than Thanksgiving, getting ready for Christmas, but most of the same people start getting ready sometime after Thanksgiving. And that's when we see uh, lights start going up and Christmas songs start coming on the radio, and we see pumpkin spice, everything replaced with peppermint-flavored stuff. There are countdowns that say 30 days until Christmas, and specials start popping up, and Hallmark rolls out 80 new Christmas movies for us to enjoy. Everything is building up to just one day, December 25th, Christmas Day. A Christmas morning comes, and uh, you know, I know everyone's traditions are kind of different, but in general, there's this idea that you get up, and there's, there's presents to open, and if you have kids, they're excited and running around, and if you have little kids, you're up extremely early. Uh, I'm very blessed as my kids get older, the time starts to move back a little. It's like 7, 7.30, I'm up anyway. Um, but I do remember a time when it was very dark out still, and uh, my children were ready to go. And you're making Christmas breakfast, you're getting ready for Christmas dinner. And for much of the world, especially in this country, by sometime around five or six in the afternoon on Christmas Day, you're done. You're done. It's over. That's it. Christmas is done. Weeks of planning and shopping and stressing out, finished by the end of the day. I guarantee by the end of this afternoon that there will be some folks who have already taken down their Christmas lights, undecorated their tree, and have it out by the curb, if you had a real tree, ready for it to be picked up. It's like they've got their list in their life, and Christmas is one of those, and they're like, Christmas, check, done. Let's put away the stuff all the decorations, let's pack up the garlands, let's head down to the mall and check out the Valentine's Day decorations that are very likely up already. For so many people, the day after Christmas is very anticlimactic. However, what comes after Christmas is so much more important for us. What comes after Christmas Day? Now, For all of you, no doubt, 
a big part of Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And if you were with us on Christmas Eve, you uh, were here. We read through some traditional Bible verses. Um, We sang uh, uh, songs about the birth of Jesus, the announcement of the angels, the shepherds, the visit to Bethlehem to see Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Uh, We sang these traditional songs about his birth. But my question to you today, right now, is are you done for another year? Check. Or, let me rephrase it, what will you do with Jesus now? Today, as I mentioned, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. And uh, we read a lot of these verses the other night when we were here on Christmas Eve, and it's likely that these are familiar parts uh, and verses to you, but they're worth looking at um, again this morning. So... Let's take a look. Um, I'm going to just start right in chapter 2, verse 7. So let's look at chapter 2, verse 7, and let's look at that. It just says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So you know that uh, Luke wrote the book of Luke. It's convenient. It's easy to remember. Um, Luke records in a very simple way Jesus was born, right? It says right there, and she brought forth her first son. Jesus was born. She gave birth to Jesus right there. Now, Luke, out of anybody, any of the writers, would have been able to give us a much more detailed and better description maybe of the birth of Jesus as Luke was a doctor. And I believe that we see that Luke most likely interviewed Mary himself to get all of his information as he, was, uh, as he was assembling the information for the book of Luke as well as Acts, the two, two parts that he wrote. But yeah, he simply writes, and she brought forth a baby. Because I believe that what Luke is trying to say and that God is encouraging Luke to say is it's not important how he was born, but that he was born. And so there's not a lot of fanfare description around how Jesus was born, more that he was born, because that's what needed to happen. That was the most important part. He was born. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes, not unusual. Every baby was wrapped up in something when they were born, but laid in a manger, and that's the part that makes it unique. Later on, you know, when the the angel says to the shepherds, this will be the sign that you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The manger part was the part that was a sign. Every baby born was wrapped up in swaddling clothes. That's no sign. They'd be walking around looking at every baby wrapped up. It was the manger that was the sign. We're going to get to that in a minute. And it says, and now there were in the same countryside shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. This is amazing. You have to understand, and you've heard this before, I'm sure, because this is such an important part of the Christmas story, as that the angel, the, the shepherds were out in the field. Shepherds were a whole bunch of nobodies. They were the lowest rung. No, they, nobody trusted shepherds. Shepherds weren't allowed to give testimony in the court of law. They were often thought as criminals. They often didn't uh, tell the truth. Many of them didn't deserve any more recognition than, ugh, you're a shepherd, Ooh. But the angel came to these shepherds at night to bring them this amazing announcement. It says in verse 9, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, 
and they were greatly afraid. You know, you got to imagine it. It's dark. They are out there in the field. It's probably a sky. Have you ever been someplace where there's just no electric lights anywhere? Um, and you just look up in the sky, and how big does that sky look? And how bright do those stars seem to you in that moment? And imagine you're out there, and you're a shepherd, and it's cold, and there's these sheep, and they're all around the place, and you're just like, oh, man, is how, is, how interesting of a life is it to be a shepherd? Do you think when the one shepherd comes to another shepherd and says, hey, how's it going? And he's just like, you know, same sheep, different day. They're out there in the middle of the night, and suddenly it says that an angel is standing before them, and the glory of the Lord shines all around them, and it says that they were greatly afraid of, these are shepherds, these are the guys that are warding off wolves and bears and, and other people that want to keep the sheep, and these are tough guys, and you've got an angel that shows up, and it says that they were greatly afraid because, well, you would be too, I imagine, if all of a sudden the shepherd with the glory of the Lord showing all around shows up just in front of you, you are greatly afraid as they were greatly afraid. And the angel says to them, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. And catch this in verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's an amazing thing. Do you see what the angel says to these shepherds? Born to you this day is a Savior. Do you know what he doesn't say? Like, do you think that they were confused in that moment and think, huh, did any of you just give birth? To any of you? Just because I certainly didn't. See, the angel says, born to you, this day is a savior. He doesn't say born to you is a baby. He says born to you is a savior. That's an amazing message. If the angel comes to the shepherds and he says, a savior was just delivered and he is here for you, for you. I heard somebody say that sometimes we get so focused on, the, uh, on John 3.16 that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we get so focused on he came for the world and we forget that he came for you, you. The angel says, born to you this day is a savior. Now, it should be blowing your mind also that the angel comes from God with a message of there is a savior for all mankind who has just come, and he brings that message to whom? Shepherds. Shepherds. Not highborn kings, not the super wealthy, not the priests, not the scholars. Shepherds. He brings this to the shepherds. And he says, and this will be a sign to you and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. <laughs> we all know this, right? We know that Mary came with Joseph to Bethlehem and there was no room in the inn. And, and you know, we always have these um, visions and maybe it comes from just a, a, like a lifetime of watching Christmas specials where they're like, come to them, they're, they're knocking on the door of the inn. Please, can we have a room in the inn? The innkeeper throws open the door and is like, there's no more room in the inn. Like they, like they did something wrong by showing up late or something. And, and he's like, I guess you could sleep in the barn, you know? And the, the idea is like, God somehow made a mistake. Like, did he not call ahead? 
to make arrangements for Joseph and Mary to get to Bethlehem? I mean, do we really think that God kind of dropped the ball and didn't have a room for them at the inn for them to give birth to his son? There must be, like, does anybody really think that? Does anybody believe that? You can go ahead and raise your hand if you believe that. Okay, excellent. So then there must be some reason why there wasn't room at the end. There must be some reason why he was like, no, my son's not going to arrive and be in the inn or in a palace or somebody's home even. No, he's going to come and he's going to be born in a manger. You know what a manger is? It, it wasn't this, actually. It was this, this, it's a feeding trough. If you can't see it, this is what it looks like. It actually was more likely a, a carved out of stone uh, bin that they would put straw and hay and even water sometimes. And that was where the livestock would come and they would eat out of a, a manger. It was a place that you would put the food and they would eat out of it, get all sloppy and there'd be like, like ox saliva all on there. But that was the place that God said, no, I have the power and the authority to put him in some great palace, but he's going to be born in a manger. Why would he do that? Why would he do that, the manger? Why would he announce it to the shepherds? There's a really good reason. Because what God was saying is that if my son, the savior of the world that I just announced uh, to, the, to the shepherds was born in a palace, would the shepherds have been able to get to him? No. If he was born in the inn, would the shepherds have access to him? No way. If he was born in somebody's private home, would the shepherds have had access to Jesus? No, certainly not. Shepherds would have been like, hi, we're shepherds. Can we come in? And be like, don't say anything. Maybe they'll go away. See, the thing is that God wanted everyone to have access to Jesus. He announced it to shepherds, the lowest of the low, he had Jesus born in a manger so that everyone would have access to Jesus. If he was born in some high place, the shepherds wouldn't have been able to get there. He would not have been for everyone. But Jesus is for everyone. Everyone has access to Jesus. That was a very important part of this message. Now, later on, Jesus brings, uh, excuse me, uh, the father brings to Jesus the wise men, the, the magi, the kings. We call them the kings. Um, and, uh, and that's important. It's not this night. It's not the same night. It's, it's much, much later. In fact, if you read that, it says they came to the house that they were staying in, and he was likely a toddler by the time that the magi got to where Jesus was. So, you know, next year when you're setting up your nativity scene and you've got your three kings, take them and move them to the farthest corner of your house and set them over there. And that will be fairly accurate to the actual nativity scene. But see, do you see what, what he's showing you there is that the shepherds, the lowest of the low, had access to Jesus, and so did the highborn, the, the, the priests, the wise men. And that means that everybody from the shepherds to the wise men and everyone in between have access to Jesus. Jesus came for the shepherds, he came for the wise men, and he came for every single person in between. But in order to show that, Jesus was announced to the shepherds. Jesus was born in a feeding trough so that everybody could have access. It's amazing. 
That's amazing. Remember on Christmas Eve, if you were talking, if you were here, we were talking about the kind of planning that it must have taken on God's behalf to, to, to make all of this happen and how far back he had to go. Do you ever, do you ever, <laughs> if anybody gets a moment and they grab me a bottle of water, that would be fantastic. And it's Cesar or anybody back there, thanks. All right. Um, did you ever plan a surprise party for anybody? Like how far back do you have to start that and how much planning does that take to make it happen just exactly as you want it? Imagine God is planning all of this stuff. He's got all these parts and all these pieces, thanks to Neil, that he has to have in place and yet he executes it perfectly. Born in a manger. See, and that's the sign. It doesn't say that this is going to be a sign to you that you'll find a baby in Bethlehem wrapped up in a, bl- a blanket or swaddling clothes. That's every baby. He says the baby will be born lying in a manger. That's the sign. That's how the shepherds knew where to go. They knew, well, where are the mangers? They're in the places where the livestock are. That's where they started looking, and that is where they found him. And then it says, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Can you imagine a multitude here? The word a multitude, it means thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. So they had one angel in front of them, surrounded by the glory of God, announcing to them the birth of Jesus, the Savior, and they were afraid. Now the sky is filled with angels not just filled, but they're singing. And you're just like, what? Can you? I, it's very difficult to imagine because I've never experienced anything like that before. Has anybody ever experienced a sky full of angels singing? No, I know. Is it? That must have been incredible. It says, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the, then the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see if this thing see and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I think that's exactly how it went. They 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 were there and they saw the, the sky filled with angels and they were all singing, and then all of a sudden they were gone. And I think they all just looked at us and said, You know what we should do? We should go to Bethlehem. I, I think it was more like I think there was a silence that fell in awe that falls on them. I'm clearly there in awe of what just happened based on what happens next. But I think they just stood there in like a quiet silence in awe thinking, what was that? I think they were looking at each other going, did you also just see that or was that just me? Because I hope you saw that. But then it says, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Do you know what I noticed they didn't say? They didn't say, let us go now to see if this thing has taken place. Did you notice that? They don't say, let us go and see if this thing is true. They say, let us go and see this thing that has come to pass. I mean, they're pretty convinced. I guess I would be too if I just witnessed an entire sky filled with angels telling me that there was, the Savior was born and that it, they were all singing. I guess I would be impressed as well. And so it says they responded immediately to that message. So 
as we're talking about here are the things to do after Christmas Day. After Christmas is over and it's all done, and that's today, by the way. Today is the day after Christmas, and we're talking about what do you do with Jesus now? The very first thing that I see is they responded immediately. They said, let us go. Let us go. In fact, you get the idea that they were very excited to go and see this thing that had taken place. It seems like the day after Christmas, instead of being excited, we're just relieved it's done. Anybody feel like that? Man, I'm so glad. You know, don't all the time we say, like, even, even within this church, sometimes we'll say to one another, let's just get through the holidays. Can we just get through the holidays? Rather than to have this excitement of, man, the whole world basically in some form just celebrated the birth of the Savior. Now's the time. Let's go. Let's get excited about what we've just talked about, what we've just learned, rather than say, man, I'm so glad we got through the holidays. Now we can get back to our regular old routine. Rather, let's get excited and let's go. And it says in 16, and they came with haste. That word means diligently. They came diligently, earnestly. It became real to them. There was an excitement that hit them about when the angels came and said, born to you today in the city of David is the Savior. And they were like, let's go. When should we go? Let's go right now. You know what we should, you know what? It would be great. Let's go, but what are we going to do with all these sheep? I don't even know if they even cared. It was like they just were like, you know what? They'll be here when we get back. Let's just go. Sheep aren't that smart, really. The sheep probably just be like, has anyone seen a shepherd? What should we do? Let's just stay here. <laughs> and then there the sheep are. And the shepherds, they just go. They're excited. They go. They went with haste. And it says they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. Well, first of all, what was made known to them concerning this child? What were they told? A baby was born? No. A savior was born. Today, a savior was born. And they come and they see him there and they don't go, oh, it's just a baby. No, they say, the Savior, let's go. And the thing that they do is this, they go out into the town, wherever they are in that town, in Bethlehem, they're like, you know what we've got to do? We've got to go right now into this town and we just need to tell everybody that the Savior was born and he was born to us and he was born to you and he was born to you and we got to go and we got to tell everybody that a Savior was born. Next thing to do. Number one, get excited. Number two, Go and tell somebody that a Savior was born. Go and tell. And where do they go? Right there, right where they are. They say, well, this is where we are. Let's go into this town. And they start going through the town, and they start telling everybody. You know what? They, they don't seem to care that people are going to think they're nuts when they're going out in this town 
with this news that they have that is just too important to keep to themselves. They have this news. They've seen it. They've been told a Savior's born. Let's go right now. And they go, and they don't wait. They don't worry. They don't look around and say, well, you know, we don't know how. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're doing an evangelism class so that even if you think you don't know how, after that, there will be no excuse. You can go. Um, but they don't worry that people will think they're crazy. Hey, I've got news for you, gang. People think you're crazy. People already think you're nuts because you go to church on a regular basis every week and sometimes more than once a week. And you talk about things that are righteous and holy and there's something about you that's different and you don't do some of the things that they don't do and you don't watch some of the things that they say you need to watch and you don't talk in the way that people talk and they look at you and go, I don't know, they're nuts. They already think you're nuts. What have you got to lose? Take the message that you've received, especially over the last couple of days, a savior has been born and take it and share it and get excited about it. And don't worry if they think you're nuts. They already think that. They think you're nice, I'm sure. Nice and nuts. They could not stop themselves. They were unafraid of what people thought. God made me write that right here in my Bible. God made me write that. They were unafraid of what people thought. I guarantee that there are people sitting in this room right now that were like, I want to tell my neighbor, or I want to tell my coworker, or I want to talk to my parents or my mom or, or whatever, but I'm afraid of what they're going to think. These shepherds, they didn't care. They weren't afraid. They were so excited and so filled with the news that they had gotten that they just went. Oh, man, that's refreshing, isn't it? And they went right where they were. Not a single one of them said, you know what, hold on, we don't know anybody here. Why don't we wait until we get back and we'll, we'll practice on the sheep. We'll practice when we get back, when we get back to where we're from, when we get home. Hey, if you're visiting Naples right now, it doesn't matter. You have actually the best excuse because you're going to go and you're going to tell somebody about Jesus and then you're going to go back to Cleveland or wherever it is you live and nobody's going to know, and we're like, who was that weird guy on the beach that talked to me about Jesus? I don't know, but I'm kind of interested now, or some version of that. <laughs> because look what it says in the next verse. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. That's an incredible word, um, marveled. Um, it means that they uh, listened and they wondered intently about what was it they just, what was it that just said? Now, part of it, um, it, see, the thing is, it doesn't have a negative connotation. It wasn't like that they, they saw shepherds coming and they were like, oh man, shepherds, and then wondered that they even knew how to speak. I mean, that might've been the case in other situations, but they marveled at what it was that the shepherds had to tell them. What it, see what it says? It marveled at what they heard. They didn't marvel at the shepherds. They marveled at what they heard from the shepherds because what did the shepherds have to tell them? Hey, in case you didn't know, a savior was born tonight. Tonight to you, the shepherds say, a savior was born to you tonight. And it made the people marvel when they heard it. Man, I think that is so cool. 
But, in verse 19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Do you know what the word pondered means? I always kind of thought, I guess I always thought it was kind of just like Mary was like, hmm. Very just kind of like placidly, very quiet, holding Jesus, beams of the moon coming down and just being like, And it might have been. I mean, the word pondered there, it means that she held it very close. Like, she actually experienced quite an ordeal right here. If you know if the details about the birth, it wasn't um, you know, an especially nice place that she gave birth into. It says that she brought forth the son, if you see in, in uh, the, these verses here. So she was doing most of the work. And I've never personally given birth to a baby, um, but I've been present at the birth of a baby. And it's, you know, a little bit crazy. Um, and there's some yelling that goes on. Um, it was at me mostly, but, uh, you know, I'm sure it wasn't, on, you know, personal. But we had, you know, doctors and midwives and nurses and sanitized, clean things all around. Mary was in a, a dark place with a manger to put the baby in. In fact, it says that she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. It's likely that the word there indicates that she likely tore off pieces of her own garment to wrap him in. So she had not a lot to work with. And she's pondering that. She's also pondering that the shepherds showed up and said, you're not even going to believe this, but an angel appeared to us. And I think Mary's like, yeah, been there. Um, because, you know, remember, Gabriel comes to her and does the same thing. And, and uh, maybe it was Gabriel that came to the shepherds. It doesn't say, but he kind of was the messenger angel, right? And uh, also to Joseph, you know. And so they're like, yeah, yeah we know what you mean. But, the, but the, the shepherds come and they say, Mary, we were out in the, in the field with our, with our flocks and this angel came and he told us to come here and to find you. The, he told us that a savior was gonna be born. Do you think, I mean, even when an angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you know, you're gonna bring forth a child and it's gonna be conceived through the Holy Spirit and, and, um, and he's gonna be the savior. There's still probably a little bit of Mary that's wondering, is this really, I mean... Is this really true? But see, then Joseph comes and says, you know what, Mary, I was visited in a dream by an angel. And now the shepherds come and they just confirm it for a third time. We were out in the fields and an angel came and then there was like thousands and thousands of angels and they were singing and they were telling us all about this. And Mary is holding it all close in her heart. And I think that is a very important thing that we also need to do. It's one of those things at Christmas time that it can come a little, we can become a little bit callous to the Christmas message. Like, okay, we're going to read, you know, the verses in Luke chapter two and the prophecies in Isaiah. And, you know, yes, it's about the manger and yes, it's about Jesus, but I also have to cook tomorrow and I've got all this stuff and, and oh, it's busy and I'm tired and um, you'll become a little bit callous. Um, and I would encourage you to, as Mary did, just ponder all of these things in your heart. Take the time, especially now. Take this afternoon. It's the day after Christmas. Everything's done, right? So just take the time and think about this and ponder it. And the word ponder, it means to hold it close, keep it close. And here's the thing, and this is why this is important, because that's how you get beyond Christmas Day and today and the next day, because you are keeping it close every day. The reality of Jesus needs to be close in your heart every day. It has to be real every day. The Bible says that we are to put on Jesus like a garment, 
like a shirt that fits tight so that it's up close to your body. That is how we are supposed to put him on so he's close to us. So that is how you go from one day to the next. That's how you hold on to the excitement. That means no matter where I am, no matter who I'm talking to, I'm not going to be afraid and I'm going to share the message that I've just received again this year as a refresher. The other cool thing that I, I forgot to mention is that they were not repulsed by the shepherds. They marveled, which means the shepherds came with this incredible message. And I, when I read this, I see them coming filled with joy, filled with excitement, saying, you have to hear this message. It is so amazing. And it is for you as well as for me that the people were not repulsed. They marveled. And I'm wondering, when we take our message of Jesus out into those people around us in our villages and then beyond that, are we going with an excitement and a joy behind the message? Or we're like, let me tell you why you're going to hell. Let me come with a message that's combative. Let me tell you why everything you're doing is wrong. Or are we coming with, you've got to hear this message of joy and peace and love from God through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's exciting. And I also think that when the shepherds told that to someone and they're like, you're crazy. The shepherds are like, bye, and off onto the next person. Rather than sitting there and like, no, you don't understand. Let me tell you all the facts. Let me argue with you now. Until, let me argue you into agreement with me. How often does that work for you? How often when you are in an argument with somebody that you're just like, I'm just gonna keep arguing until you agree that I'm right. Because the other person is saying the same thing in their mind. I'm just going to keep arguing until you say that I'm right. And then what happens? Nobody ends up convincing any of the other person. And you go away angry and then you're ruined for the rest of the day. Rather than be like, yeah, I've got this great message. You want to hear it? All right. It's Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus. Okay, bye. Going on to this guy. Because I'm excited. And everybody needs to hear. You know what Jesus said? When you go and you knock on their door, if they receive you, amazing. If they don't, knock the dust from your sandals and go on to the next person. And you know what you don't do? You don't take it personal. Because Jesus, say, Jesus says, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. It feels like us sometimes, doesn't it? It feels like they're rejecting us. But it's not. They're rejecting the message. And so you go on with that message to the next person, and you hold it close to your heart, the entire time, because that makes it real and that makes it exciting. If you're feeling dry and you're feeling like, man, I, you know, no one said to the shepherds, now that you've heard this, Mary, Mary and Joseph didn't say, all right, now go and spread this around. Fine, I guess fine. All right, I'm going to go. You know, no one said you have to do it. No one said it's going to count against your, you know, crowns in heaven. No one said any of that. They were like, we're going to go. We're going to go. Mary, it's nice to meet you. Joseph, great, baby, we're out of here. We got to spread this news. And they went and told everybody, and they were excited, and Mary pondered it all. <laughs> then it says the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told to them. This is, first of all, it didn't end for them, right? It wasn't like they went out into Bethlehem and told everybody about Jesus, and they were like, okay, I guess we're done. Let's just go home now and go back to our normal, boring life watching sheep. It says they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard. And it was like, you know what? Those were some of the most enlightened sheep after that moment because I, that's, they just 
poured into these sheep now for days and days and days until they ran into some other people. And, you know, if you're like a trader and you're, you know, you're walking down the road and you see this group of shepherds coming at you and all of a sudden they surround you, you're like, we got to tell you about this. We just said we saw angels and there was a savior and he was born for you. And you're like, <laughs> okay. And all the sheep, I feel like they're all hopping around and they're all happy. I, that's, that's just my own interpretation. I don't know if that's, doesn't say that anywhere. I mean, these guys were motivated. They heard an amazing message. They had an encounter with the Savior, and they were blown away so much so that they could not be stopped from spreading that message. And I just, when I, when I sat down to think about this, and I thought, I don't know, should I do a Christmas message or should we keep going to Deuteronomy? And God said, what about the day after Christmas? Because that's where you're at. And it's like, what are we doing the day after Christmas? What are we doing the day after that and the day after that? Are we checking off the box that says, ah, Christmas, done, done. I got the whole day off. I can take down all my Christmas decorations, pack them away for another year and be done with this. Or are we just embracing it all and saying, you know what? I'm excited. I had an encounter with Jesus. I'm excited. And I'm going to tell people. And I don't need to be told to tell people. Although I'm kind of telling you right now, but you didn't need for me to, or maybe you did. I don't know. We're not going to overthink it. I'm going to hold it close to my heart every single day. I'm going to go out and I'm going to share. And I'm not going to worry that people think I'm crazy because personally for me, I know that people already think I'm crazy and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. There's a freedom that comes with that. A freedom that says, I really don't care what you think of me, but I love you enough to tell you something that you need to hear. You may not want to hear it, but you need to hear it. I love you so much that if you think I'm a fool, I don't care. Because I will be a fool for you. Somebody once said that we've become a generation of people who Worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. And our churches are filled with people who want to be moved, but who don't want to move. You get that? You get that? Does that make sense to you? We all come because we want some great spiritual excitement and movement at church but then we don't want to take that outside of these doors. You know, we need to be a church that is out, that is telling other people, that is sharing. Like these shepherds, these shepherds are not educated. They're not well thought of, but they were the ones that the angel came to. They were the ones that took the message and spread it. And how many, how do, how, who knows how many people heard the message of Jesus from these shepherds from this point on? And it just goes on and on and on and on, and on from that. It occurs to me that these shepherds likely were the shepherds that watched the flock of sheep that were the sheep that would be sacrificed in the temple. They were the Levitical shepherds. They were watching over the sacrificial lambs. It's, that makes a lot more sense to me now that God says that these are the shepherds that I'm going to come to. These are the ones that are taking care of the sacrifice, right? I feel a little bit like that. Don't you feel a little bit like you know what? We've been given the message of Jesus. Are we going to tend it? And are we going to share it? 
Treasuring Christ is something we do not by keeping him to ourselves, but by making him known to the whole world. Right? Jesus is a treasure that has to be shared, not kept. On, on a Friday night, we read Isaiah 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 6. It's pretty familiar. You know it. It says, um, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know that verse, right? We read it. But what's not as well known is verse 2 of that same chapter because it describes who he was coming for. Verse 2 reads this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, and a light has dawned. See, Jesus came to be the light for those who were walking in darkness. That's all y'all. But we received that light. But there are still so many who have not. During the American Revolution, there was a battle um, that was called the Battle of Blue Licks. It was fought at a stream that bears the same name. The, 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 The stream was called Blue Licks. The battle never should have been fought because it was fought after the war was over. But news traveled very slowly in that area over the Appalachian Mountains, and so nobody knew that the war was over. Imagine the lives that could have been saved had they received the good news that the war was over. Christ has won the victory over evil at Calvary. All that is left to do is... Tell the good news. See, saving knowledge is diffused over the earth, not like sunlight, but like torchlight, passed from hand to hand. That's why we do that on, on Christmas Eve, where we go outside and we all take candles that aren't lit, and we light candles, and each person then begins to light candles. And as you do that, one person lights another person's candle, and it goes person to person until the entire courtyard out here, 100 people with candles lit, shining, lighting that whole place. And it was amazing to see, but that's the idea. That's how the good news is spread, one person to the next, to the next, to the next, like torchlight, shared one after another. So what will you do with Jesus today and the next day and the next day and from every day going forward? Is it a gift that you got that you're going to put away? Or are you going to get excited to share it with everybody around you? Now, again, I want to remind you that there is an evangelism class that is starting in January. So if you're like, I do want to do that, but I'm nervous, or I'm afraid, or I don't know how, or I don't know what to say, come to the class and find out how to do it. We're going to show you, and we're going to give you opportunities, and we'll probably role play, and it's silly and fun and great and amazing, and and you should come. But then you'll have no excuse. (laughs) Then you'll have no excuse. We're going to take you out, and we're going to be like, go talk to that person. (laughs) What will you do with Jesus today, the day after Christmas? Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, I just thank you so much. What a reminder, Lord. Really, what a shakeup to remind us that although Christmas Day is over, the most important part now starts. What will we do with Jesus today? How will we live our lives today? Will we go out with an excitement to share with others or will we stay back afraid of what people might think, unsure of what to do, where to go or how to do it, Lord? I think you've showed us today, Lord, that through the example of the shepherds, it was their excitement over the gift of Christ that they went out unashamed, uninhibited, excited to share. And through Mary, Lord, we see keeping it all very close, the reality of everything that she had seen happen, keeping it close to her, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that as we go out of this place today, that we would take that. Each one of us would be thinking about this as we go out these doors today, Lord. Thinking about opportunities, Lord. Even praying, Lord, give me opportunities to share the news that a Savior was born. What an amazing opportunity as the entire world uh, in some form, has celebrated Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the gift, the gift of your arrival here, the gift of your life lived, and the gift of your death and resurrection. Lord, please don't let me keep it to myself. Lord, help me to just share it with all those that I see. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org.